Coach Podcast, where we speak life, coach life, write life, and lead life. Today, I'm joined in the podcast studio by Joyce Valenzuela. Joyce, welcome to the show. Hi, Derek. Thank you for having me, and uh, thank you for doing this. All right. Well, I'm excited about our conversation. Before we jump into the interview, I want people to know a little bit about who you are and your background. Joyce Valenzuela is the founder and principal attorney of JV Law Offices, APC, and focuses her practice on estate planning and probate, personal injury, and criminal defense. As a Mexican-American and daughter of immigrants, she understands the needs in her community for education and honest representation. As such, her firm's main focus is to provide clarity, honesty, guidance, and support in times of need in English and Spanish. Yeah. Joyce, what inspired you to become an attorney? Uh, funny enough, uh, I wanted to be a cop originally. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to work homicide. That was what my idea was. Uh, but I got to see you know, there's good and bad in every system. And I think I ran into a little bit of the, the bad cops, you know, the, the, the bad apples that you call. Uh, and I wanted to be in a position where I could have a voice for people that were wronged. And I felt that being able to be in the legal field uh, would provide, you know, that and it would be more fulfilling uh, than being in a place where, you know, you see the wrong and sometimes it's just very systematic. And I was going to be either... <laughs> The way I described it, I was either going to be uh, the rat, you know, part of that group, uh, or just be forced to be part of uh, something that I didn't want to be. And I feel like having knowledge in the legal field, uh, it's, it's different. You can help people in different ways. Mm, yes. Now, so what point during your journey, was that during, like, was that early in childhood? Was that in your teenage years? Or was it even um, into your undergraduate degree where you started to see, you know what, like the... The cop isn't for me. I want to go this other route. At what point did, did, it, did, did that trigger go off um, for you to start thinking about um, being a turn, an attorney as opposed to a cop? I think it was probably college, probably my sophomore year. I, I think uh, a lot of us go in thinking we know what we want to do and we really don't. <laughs> um, so I went in as a criminal, um, criminal justice major because I thought that you know, the next step would be becoming a cop. Uh, and then it was during that process where I, you know, I saw a couple of things like that. And, and the more classes that I took, the more interest that I took in the, in the legal field and just being in a place to assist. Uh, and it wasn't only just by seeing cops, but seeing my mom. My mom uh, is primarily Spanish speaking, you know, she understands English, but I saw little things that would happen to her because she didn't understand the language. She didn't understand the system. And I wanted to be in a place to help people like her. Um, and I think that's kind of where I did the, the switch. Yes, yes. Now, uh, given that you had this big change, how did your, like, how did your family, how, how, or even how did your parents respond to you becoming an attorney? Well, I think uh, my mom was probably glad. My mom's actually an attorney in Mexico, but she hasn't practiced because she's been here. Uh, but her mom probably was relieved that I decided to do that because anytime that I mentioned that I wanted to be a cop, uh, she was just kind of like, that's very dangerous. Do you really want to do that? What if you have a family? You know, typical things that you hear from a Hispanic mom. Uh, and I think uh, she was just very, very glad. Unfortunately, my dad passed away uh, when I was 17. Uh, but I think he, he probably would have been happy and very proud. Or at least I like to think. Sure. 
Um, wow, no, I, I, um, it's it's when I when I hear different attorneys who I've been able to interview, for, you know, on the podcast and talk about um, parenting, it, it's fascinating to hear the the background. Of course, I'm sorry to hear about your passing of your of your dad, um, but even to hear about your uh, your mom in 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 uh, in her. Um, being that attorney, you know, and 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 and, and I'm just I'm just and again I'm just fascinated to hear stories about how um, the influence of the parents can play the play a significant role in what career path um, their their children choose. I think subconsciously she did because as a little kid I used to say I didn't want to be any typical uh, career. I didn't want to be a doctor, engineer, an attorney, and here I am. <laughs> Now, so now that you're an attorney, what do you enjoy most about about being an attorney? I think I enjoy being able to educate people. Um, you know, I do different areas of law, but I think now I've kind of enjoyed being able to help my community in that way when I do estate planning uh, and being able to guide them in, in this field that's very foreign. Uh, it, it, it's just estate planning, wills, trust, things like that. For instance, that, that aspect I really enjoy uh, just because I'm able to educate my community in the language that they understand uh, in this, I guess, field that is very, you know, they don't understand what's going on. And I think I've enjoyed educating and and trying to help people with, I guess, establish some kind of generational wealth, because I believe, uh, you know, my family's Mexican. So, you know, Mexican-American, and I think um, in my culture, it's not that education is lacking. And I think that's why people kind of start, uh, you know, from that bottom, I guess, from the bottom when other people who would know how to use certain tools, uh, you know, start uh, with an advantage. So I enjoy that and just enjoy being able to represent people in, in this field that, again, don't really understand it and, you know, may get taken advantage. Mm, yes. You know, I, I, I appreciate and respect what you just said there, because one, I'm also you know, Mexican-American background um, for me, you know, me personally. But then I, I think back through conversations I've had with grandpa, grandma, mom about this concept. Like when you talk about generational wealth, like those two words next to each other, I think my first 30 years of life, I never even heard that concept you know, next to one another, like, like them juxtaposed in that way, um, much less, regardless of the phrase itself, like much less that I hear conversation about, hey, like, let's prepare ourselves to take care of generation upon generation by setting ourselves up right. And um, in my mom, although, again, her being, um, you know, of Mexican American background, um, but seeing her even with her without an undergraduate degree, she was, she's been, um, you know, in, in my humble opinion, she's, she's like a, 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 more, a more successful um, person, but still like not having those conversations about generational wealth like you're talking about. I can totally see how it's lacking culturally and how um, it's rewarding for you to be able to be a part of that positive change. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. Hopefully uh, there's more growth in that end for, you know, cultures that don't have that. Mm, yes. Talk about how did you decide to focus? I know in your in your biography, you have four areas of focus where it's estate planning, probate, personal injury, criminal defense. How did you 
how did you decide, you know, all four of these? Uh, so I kind of have a, I guess I know a little bit of a, a couple of areas of law. Uh, when I started, um, I, I was, when I started, when I was in law school, my focus was, I believed I was going to work in public interest or doing criminal defense. Um, and then once you're in there, they kind of tell you, well, you know, that's not going to pay your student loans. And you start panicking because you come out with this enormous debt. Um, so I started doing like what they call like civil litigation practicums to learn civil because that's where more jobs, you know, are available or better paying jobs. Um, so because of that, I ended up interning in, in a personal injury firm. Um, so that's kind of how I got into in personal injury. And I, you know, I went from one job to another that uh, I run into, you know, some good bosses, some not very good ones. And I made the switch again to criminal defense, um, just because I, that's something that had, I guess, been calling to me. Um, so I already had that personal injury background. I enjoyed uh, doing that. Uh, but from there, I jumped to some other stuff that I didn't enjoy very much. Uh, and I went and then went back to doing criminal. And during that, um, I started um, learning uh, estate planning. And that's just because it was some friends that were doing it, some colleagues that were doing it. And I started finding this, I started finding the interest in it. Uh, just mainly because I realized that my community was really missing, mm -hmm. you know, I guess someone who can repre represent them, you know, in these areas. Um, so that's kind of how I got into that. And I think for me, it keeps, it keeps life more interesting. I feel that certain areas of law have given me certain skills and those skills transfer to the, uh, you know, to every area. And I think it just makes you more well-rounded. Uh, so I think uh, it's, you know, it, it keeps me on my toes. I'm not bored uh, because I practice different areas. And it also gives me skills that I think if I was just doing criminal defense, you know, I wouldn't have the skills that I have acquired doing estate planning or doing personal injury. And those skills also help me be a better lawyer in the other areas. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how, I guess it's a, it's a longer star, a story. So it's kind of hard to, right, <laughs> to put right, it all right. together in one. Right, Answer. no, but, but I, I could see how they all they all piece together to add um, strength, and I think the word that was coming to my mind as I listened to you was versatility. Like she has yeah. versatility; she can do this and that, and uh, so your skills um, have given you that versatility and that agility to be able to help in a variety of of, of ways. Yeah, I mean, and. And to be honest, you don't want an attorney who goes every day to work and is just miserable sitting and you're doing estate planning, just drafting and drafting and doing transactional work. You know, uh, with what I do, I've been able to go in and out of court, be in front of judges and, uh, you know, negotiate and just just do different things. And it makes it better. I mean, at least in my opinion, I, I enjoy it more that way. Right, right. So for you, the, the variety, you know, it sounds like it adds freshness to what you do. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Now, what has been one challenge you faced as an attorney and have overcome? Uh, I think a challenge for me, I guess they kind of tie together, but not, not having that a mentor. And I think that's what a lot of uh, people run into. Uh, unless, you know, maybe your family is a family of lawyers, you know, my mom was a lawyer, but in Mexico, or you have a connection, 
in, in some way, shape or form, it makes it difficult when you go out, especially when you go out on your own, or even when you're working in firms. And sometimes I think some bosses, um, they forget where they started. And they forget that, you know, these young attorneys who are coming out need that mentorship. You know, obviously, it's good to hit the ground running and, and learn, you know, learn not to be scared to do that. But I think lacking has been that mentorship. And I think um, I've overcome that by surrounding myself, I guess, with a with groups of like, you know, like individuals who have been on the same boat as me, and we kind of have served, um, I guess, as that mentor, even though we're all kind of around the same age, you know, bouncing ideas off each other. Um, thing has been that, to be honest, it's, it's very difficult when you're kind of out on your own. Sure. Now, it, I love that piece of input, because naturally, um, in, in, as a coach, um, I, it's, for me, it's almost like a prerequisite that any person I'm coaching needs a mentor. That's not me because there's going to be certain people you're going to be able to learn from in your field, in your world that will be able to give you insight, knowledge, and perspective that even I, as a coach will, will not be able to give you now. But yeah. I, I, the question I want to ask you is if somebody's out there listening, listening in, what do you think is a great first step? into finding a mentor as an attorney, like, like ha having, you know, um, uh, having um, taken steps forward already in, in the attorney journey, what is a great first step on how to even find a mentor as an attorney? I think a lot of that comes from honestly, internships, internships and being in those classes in, in practical classes, law school is very theoretical, you know, because you're supposed to pass this bar exam, but it doesn't prepare you for actual practice. So what I would say to someone is, if you're in law school, um, you know, turn to those uh, professors who, especially the ones that are, you know, teaching a practical class, turn to them, uh, build a connection that will last, you know, longer than just law school. And with those internships, if you find that you're in internships where you have bosses or, you know, other fellow attorneys, uh, who still remember what it's like, you know, to, to be young and to need that mentorship. Uh, I guess you can uh, make sure that those uh, relationships, you know, you work on those relationships because those will be important going forward because even though there's so many attorneys, uh, you know, in, in California and there's so many people graduating from law school at a time, you'd be surprised how small that community of attorneys becomes when you're out. And it's good to keep those connections because you'd be surprised how willing uh, you know, those relationships uh, or those people that, you know, you met along the way are willing to help you. Mm. And I think uh, when you're in law school, you're just kind of trying to keep swimming so you don't sink along the way. And sometimes you don't have time to attend to those relationships. And I think those are very important. Mm, yes. You know, there's a detail you mentioned I, I want to highlight. You said those mentors who remember what it was like. Because sometimes I think about like this journey of success is like this climb up this mountain and people that are so far up, like they forgot what it was like where I'm at, you know, yeah. they're like, okay, well, they're giving me advice, but yeah, those bushes don't grow anymore. Or those trees aren't even around anymore. <laughs> you know, like, but yeah. I like you said, where they remember what it was like. So if somebody, maybe instead of a hundred steps ahead, somebody maybe 10 steps ahead or 20 steps ahead, like somebody not so far removed or i think there's a chinese proverb that says 
um, to know the way forward as somebody recently coming back. And that, yeah. that, that notion of what you just said is somebody who remembers what it's like to be there. Yeah, no, and I think in this field, it's very easy to forget. Um, but to be honest, to be I, the way I see it, to be a better lawyer, to even be a better boss just, or a better person, just don't forget where you come from. And, and if you can't offer that helping hand, yeah. you know, and I, yeah. You know, and I also like when you said that you'd be surprised how many people are willing to help. Um, and I think I've seen that over and over again. I, 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 I believe that I teach it, right, that you find what you look for in life. And that, but to your point, like there's, there's that initiative that's required, you know, that um, like there's the concept that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Um, but I, I, but I, I love the notion of, of what you said about finding a mentor, um, but then knowing that people, other attorneys are out there willing to help um, if you look for it and ask for it. Yeah, and they are, you know, I think it's been hard for me to find some uh, but just actually seeking it and actually, you know, continuously looking for it, you'll find them. It might not be easy, but you got to keep trying. Yes, yes, yes. Now, what is one common challenge other attorneys face? And what do you think is a great solution to that challenge? Again, I think it's mentorship. It's mentor, it's mentorship. And, um, I think in schools, it is because it is so like, you know, it's all about theory and how to pass the bar exam. I think for new attorneys, even before, you know, being that new attorney, uh, making sure you get involved in, um, in getting some kind of practical experience, whether those be, because law school, the classes that you're required to graduate, for instance, they will be classes that necessarily are practical. There'll be classes that, you know, for subjects that will be on the bar exam. So seeking things as in, you know, more practice, more hands-on experience. Um, I think that's what, you know, new attorneys need. And I think even in a job, um, even if it's a new job, even if it's scary, really vocalizing what it is that you need. Because when you're a new attorney, and you feel so grateful to have that job that you feel like you don't, you can't say it. You don't have a voice. You shouldn't complain. You shouldn't ask, you know, you should just pretend like, you know, or you'll figure it out. And that's just a disservice um, for you, you know, and for you, for you to, to polish yourself as a, as an attorney to become a better attorney. So I think it would be that, you know, again, look for a mentor, look for practical classes and, don't be afraid to ask, you know, that you need what you need to learn. And that might, that may be that, you know, that might not be the job for you. It may be that, but I've been laid off, you know, and it was the scariest thing for me to, you know, for me to have happened to me, but that led me to going out on my own and, and putting trust in myself. So if it's, if it's a job that's really not going to be good for you because they're not willing to teach you or kind of try to provide guidance because you're asking, Mm-hmm. then, you know, might as well find out sooner. Yes. Then thank you for that. I think there's so much power in authenticity and you sharing about that. I'm, I mean, the whole reason I'm even doing what I'm doing now is because I went through a layoff as well um, two years ago. You know, so I, I talk about that um, openly, but I, I respect you talking about it because um, sometimes 
um, short, I'll call mine a shortcoming. I don't know what yours was. I've got a shortcoming in the journey can feel like it, it was devaluing, you know, it was, I felt disposable in that, in that part of my journey. Um, but then to share that and then to be able to connect with other people about that, but then not allowing that moment to define me overall. So anyway, I just think it's, it's so powerful when I hear people share authentically from their lives, especially when it's not the glamorous details. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, when I got that, I wasn't expecting getting laid off. Um, it was one of, it was, you're starting to think like, well, I have bills to pay. I have this and I have that. And it just feels crushing, especially if you've always, um, I think with law school, anyone that goes to like law school or graduate degrees or things like that, you've always, you know, been, you know, you've gotten the good grades and you haven't been told no uh, so getting laid off is like a slap on the face and you feel you're not worthy. Like you said, you were disposable. Um, but I mean, being laid off has nothing to do with you. Like for me, at least was, I was the, um, last one in the first one out, mm-hmm. you know, and a few people went after me. So it wasn't about me. And I think it's very hard for you to, in the moment, mm-hmm. at least see it, but the only thing you can do is get up and keep going. I mean, uh, and with the layoff, it forced me to try something that if I'm being honest with myself, I don't think I would have ever quit to invest in myself. 100%. And that kind of forced me to to do it. Yes, yes, yes. You know, I, 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 I speak transparently about my, my portion in that space where I was paid. And it, again, it, the dollar amount, it's, it's a lot to other people. So it's a little bit to, other, to, to some others. But I was paid in, in my small world, whatever, that 57K in, in my small world, um, I was paid too much to want to quit, but not enough to get significantly ahead to start my own business. So I was like in this terrible, like middle spot where he's like, okay, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable. Like I don't, I'm making good money, but you know, my wife's making, you know, her, you know, her own salary as a nurse. Um, but, but anyway, I, I just really relate to what you're saying. Um, because I, I probably would have delayed over and over again. In fact, I told myself maybe in, what did I say? I said, maybe when I turn, maybe in three years, maybe when I turned 37 um, and I was 34 at the time, maybe I'll have the courage then, or maybe I'll save up enough to be able to start my, my coaching business, the podcast and do all of this. Um, but sure enough, um, you know, um, job fit, if you want to call it that for me, with it was being laid off was the reason. But anyway, um, I relate so much to what you're saying, because that speaks to me in a big way. I probably also would have had a really difficult time quitting and launching out on my own, as opposed to being forced to. You would have extended that goal. And I think, you know, oh, when I turn this age, or when I have more time, and the older you get, there's, you don't have more time necessarily. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Thank you for that. I'm I'm grateful we could bond over (laughs) Similar experiences. <laughs> well, I'll tell you more about my failures if you want to hear those. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. I think, I think people, they, they genuinely appreciate the, the vulnerability. There's power and there's courage in vulnerability. And especially for you in your world as, a, as an attorney, you know, you're, you're put on a pedestal over and over again. Oh, like no weaknesses, no shortcomings. Surely, like you said, good grades, you know, all through school, you know, um, a law school, bar exam, all of this. Um, so anyway, I think I, I, I always, I always value vulnerability. 
Now, uh, what has been the best way for you to market your law firm? Um, honestly, I think has, it has been obviously, you know, once you start going, it is word of mouth. You know, that's, uh, you know, that's a big one because people, you know, someone, you did something for someone else. So they already have, a, you know, more trust in you. But also getting involved with, uh, with networking groups or just other, you know, like-minded individuals who are hungry for success to, to move on to the next step. And if you surround yourself with those kinds of people, you know, you help each other. And those are, you know, next to word of mouth uh, for someone that you actually did something for, for a, a client, uh, then the, I think the next thing would be that, you know, those other people that can vouch for you. Mm. Um, I think that's been a, a great way. Otherwise, uh, you know, you can use all kinds of advertising and, and invest money in that, but those are hit or miss and those take time. Um, so I think that's what I would say, make those connections. Mm. Now, do, is there any specific um, networking group that has worked best for you? I know I talk about like there's casual networking groups that are like a chamber of commerce. There's strong networking groups that talk about like a BNI. They're they're like weekly accountability. There's um, there's never there's professional networking groups like the bar, bar associations. There's other ones that are like volunteer oriented. Is there one that's worked better for you than others? I think for me, uh, as, as an attorney, the, the attorney ones haven't been the ones that, you know, that's the ones that work for me. Um, I think for me, it has been more of, you know, I've been uh, I'm part of a team referral network, uh, which we'll see because sometimes when you're so busy, I don't know if I'll be able to stay in one of those, but it's, sim it's similar to B&I. Uh, but I don't think it's necessarily the group itself, like that team referral network, to be honest. Uh, but I think it's the people. So if you find yourself in a group, whether it's a, you know, a chamber of commerce, whether it is a, an attorney group, or whether it, whether it is the United team, whatever you want to call it, ultimately, it's the group of individuals in that group. And I think that's what I found out. Um, because with some, like some networking groups, I felt the way I would describe it, I would always say they felt like very a little culty, like a cult. And I didn't like them. <laughs> so, and there's some that I'm just like, yeah, no, they're not for me. They're very rigorous and people just seem very, you know, didn't seem genuine. And I think in all, you know, in BNI uh, or team or any other, other groups, even chamber of, of commerce and things like that, you'll find that, you know, some people that are just there kind of to conduct business and it's very strict. And, and this is, you know, how it is. And I, you know, you also find those groups where you just fit with those people where you see yourself, you know, going out and, you know, to lunch with these people. And that makes a different connection. So I think what I would say, you know, maybe team has worked better for me, but it's not necessarily the team, uh, the, you know, that kind of networking group. It's more the people in my group that have helped me grow. Yes. I think that's fantastic input. Um, I think that's right. I think there are um, a number of groups that, the structure could be great, but if the people aren't good inside of it, structure is not going to make up for uh, poor people inside of it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, now, thank you for that insight. Um, now, for someone who is just starting their career as an attorney, what advice would you offer that person? I would offer trust in yourself and invest in yourself. I think... Uh, law school and the bar makes us very fearful 
it makes us doubt ourselves very much. Uh, I didn't pass the bar the first time. So that was like a blow for me and, you know, and it, for your ego. Uh, and I think um, the times that I haven't, the times that I've struggled are the times that I, I don't believe in myself. And, you know, it's, it's easier said than done because I, I doubt myself all the time. But I would say, uh, you know, you went to law school and you made it through for a reason. You passed the bar for a reason. So just keep believing in yourself and keep moving forward. Keep getting up. You know, it's not going to be easy. It's hard. But just keep going at it. And, you know, you'll, you'll end up where you want to be. Mm, I love that. I love that. I think there's something about persistence, perseverance that you just captured there that um, is irreplaceable. If we're all going to face yeah. challenges in life, which we're guaranteed to face them, then having the spirit you just described of persistence um, is indispensable. We need that in our journey. Yeah. And, and I mean, one thing I will say, for instance, in jobs that I had, you, uh, I didn't have, you know, sometimes the best mentors or the best bosses. And you feel like you feel like you're dumb. The way they make you feel sometimes you feel like you're dumb. And having gone out on my own, in, or you work, or you're working extreme hours, or you know you're not, you don't have a life aside uh, from work, and you're just investing your time for someone else. You know, so have trust in yourself and invest, invest for you and what's going to be good for you in the long term. Because, like you said, if someone doesn't like you, if you, they need to lay someone off or anything, you're disposable. You are. Everyone is. You know. So. Yes. Got it. Got it. And thanks for, again, thanks for your vulnerability, you know, talking about the, um, the bar and talking about um, even having experiences where you feel dumb. I, I think, again, I think all of that just speaks to um, your authenticity as a person. And that, that always shines through to me. <laughs> now, um, what has helped you establish work-life balance as an attorney? Um, I'm still working on it. <laughs> I have my days where, you know, I don't have any work-life balance. But I think um, the more, you know, especially when I was working for other people, there's no work-life balance or there wasn't. Uh, now that I work for myself, I, I try to set boundaries. And it's very difficult because when you work for yourself, it's very easy to cross them, you know, because, you know, I have a little bit of time here. I need to get this done, you know, or this might help me for the next day. But I think uh, it's setting boundaries and sticking to them. You know, sometimes you're not going to be able to do that, but don't forget that. Don't forget to set that boundary the next day or the day after that, um, because if you're not well, you know, for personally, then business-wise, your business is not going to thrive. Mm, that's a quote right there. If you're not well <laughs> personally, your business is not going to thrive. That's gonna be my new, <laughs> new slogan. <laughs> Oh, uh, that's strong. I, I feel like that's like a good slogan for me. You know, a business coach will help you uh, personally so that you can thrive in your business. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. I want credit for that, please. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, what is the best advice you would give someone who is just starting their law firm? Um. Someone who was just starting the law, their law firm. I think. Uh, I think I would tell them to make sure 
or try the best you can because sometimes it's hard when you're starting out and maybe you don't have someone, you know, funding you. <laughs> but try to start your law firm um, the way that you want it to function later. Um, and if that means that you can actually invest in certain things, you know, a, a bookkeeper, for instance, right, or uh, incorporating your business, uh, try to start it off the way you you kind of see it. You might not be able to do everything, right? But have a, a solid foundation because it's very difficult when you're growing and and you know you're working and you're being, um, especially if you don't have the money and you're you know you're the attorney and you're the boss and you're, you know, HR, you know, whatever, you're everything. Right. It makes it difficult to switch hats. And it makes it very difficult to go back and, you know, kind of build a foundation after you already kind of uh, build everything else. So I would say that, you know, try to do that. And again, just trust that you can do it. That's a, that's a big thing. Mm, yes. You know, I like what you said about um, thinking about how you want it done big picture. And even, you know, people talk about um, like sta um, standard operating procedures, like this idea of, okay, well, you, if you are a person of excellence, that's one of the reasons you might have started a law firm. And then how will you maintain this strong standard of excellence when other attorneys are potentially doing the same work? What questions will you ask? What, what protocol will there be? And I think that right there is, one, is some of the best input, especially for expanding and scaling the business and going beyond just um, just a solopreneur, but really, as you mentioned, like this concept of entrepreneur, like an enterprise that somebody is leading. Yeah, it, trust me, I'm kind of a, have to work on my taxes or get start getting stuff ready. So trust me, I will be looking into my bookkeeper next year. <laughs> <laughs> no, very good. Um, now, if somebody was listening to this episode and they're like, Joyce, like I, I, I was listening to you, you know, I, I, I want to help you or I want to connect you with your perfect referral partner. Who would that be? Where would they be? And what do they do? Um, I honestly, probably just other attorneys, other attorneys, uh, simply because we refer, you know, the, the community becomes so small. It's very small that if someone calls me for something, I don't do it. It's always, it's good to have a referral to send that to, because guess what? That person might not have needed you at that point, but you being able to connect them to someone, that might be a referral for something later. Uh, so other attorneys that you can build a strong connection with, because ultimately, and I'm sure, you know, Derek, that you've run into this when you uh, refer someone to some, you know, to a different person, that's still your name. That's still your name, you know, and if they don't do well, then that will come back to you. Mm -hmm. So other attorneys who value their name, who actually value their clients, you know, um, I think that would be what I would ask. Mm, I like that. I like it. All right. So and, uh, and all the attorneys that have had have, um, visited the podcast and who are listening to this episode, you know, let me know how I can connect you to Joyce and Joyce to let me know how I connect you to them. And, and, um, and, and I have this vision of this being a conduit, if you will, um, this can making these connections and helping, um, helping, you know, you all to know one another in a great way. So I think I'm going to, I'm going to have to have sort of a list where I figure out a referral list, a referral list, right. Um, this of who, who, who don't you have in your referral pipeline and how can I plug people in? 
just so I can be a part of some uh, some good business that's being uh, that's happening between you guys. No, no, trust me, I can use a few of uh, good uh, attorney connections. So make that list. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joyce. The final question I have for you for the podcast, at least for this one, you know, I have to invite you back for another one. But um, the final question I have for you for the podcast is. What are your favorite qualities of your favorite people? So I would say uh, my, uh, my mom's perseverance, you know, her courage to not give up. Um, she's, a, she's a fighter. Um, and that, uh, that has translated, I think, in a lot of what I do and, and what my sister, you know, in our lives. Um, I think my sister, her idealism, I think sometimes we tend to lose it along the way. And I love that uh, about her. And as the sun does well knock heads, you know, but uh, I love that she still has that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I would say um, my, uh, my husband's very hardworking. Like he, he genuinely cares about what he does, you know, and, and whether it's something that you love or hate or whatever, but actually, you know, doing it and, and not, you know, not doing it halfway. Mm -hmm. And I think those are all, uh, you know, great qualities. Mm, I like it. I like it. So perseverance, idealistic and hardworking, phenomenal qualities indeed. So if, if your mom or sister or husband are listening to this part of the podcast, I just want to tell them, well done that. Joyce can speak so positively about you, even when you're not in the room, even when you're not in the conversation, she'll bring you up in a positive light. That's always powerful for me to hear. Thank you for building up some of those dear people in your world, Joyce. That's just because it's recorded. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. They know. That's awesome. Well, Joyce, thank you for joining me on the Strong Life Coach podcast. Thank you for having me. It's, it's been good. And, uh, I'm glad that you do this. I think it's it's a good thing to uh, to be able to highlight other people and just you know to highlight what you do, mm. uh, which I think there's a lot there's an important there's there's a need for people who do life coaching and I think a lot of us are just kind of very skeptical, uh, but it's a it's a good thing to to take advantage of. Mm, okay, skeptical. I I know I know we we said we're ending. I have to ask uh, to tell give me some insight from the outside world. I'm an insider, so I don't know what the outside <laughs> world actually thinks. Tell me, baby, tell me about the skepticism. I think the only, I think the reason people are skeptical about, you know, a life coach or someone who kind of can help you along the way, it just, it seems that I think a lot of people feel like it's something you should be able to do yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's something that you should be able to, you know, coach yourself into doing, but I think sometimes it's very difficult unless you have kind of someone breathing down your neck. You know, that's why people hire personal trainers, you know, when they want to lose weight. Because there's accountability to someone else. And sometimes when you have accountability to yourself, uh, it's so easy to just kind of dismiss it because there's something else that has to, that takes priority. Uh, so I think that's why people are skeptical. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of people can probably use a life coach who reminds them, hey, you're not taking care of yourself, <laughs> you know, or <laughs> you need to take care of this. So I think that's, that's what I think. Or I that's like, kind of, you know, yeah. No, no, that's, it's, that's a great input, you know, in, um, what I'll say to anybody listening to this part of the interview, go back and listen to her mentor section when she was talking about how great <laughs> mentors are. So a coach kind of can be like a mentor sometimes to provide that encouragement, accountability, that love, 
Um, but no, thank you for that. That um, thank you for your candor there. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're welcome. Well, listen up, uh, podcast listeners. Thank you for uh, tuning in with us. I thought Joyce shared some phenomenal insight that you can benefit from, but also go find somebody to share this podcast with that they can benefit from. Whether tag an attorney in the in, in the in the in, in the um, in the comments and um, share this with somebody that you know can benefit from the insight that we dialogued about today. Of course, go over to the Apple Podcast app and give us the five-star review. Thank you for tuning in and we'll connect with you on the next episode.